0: We're going to look at who is Jesus and why did he come. We're going to be in Matthew this morning. We are, as a church, um, we are in a series where we are looking at the book of Matthew, going through the book of Matthew. Uh, we're going to do some of it a bit slower. Some of it, we'll do big chunks. Today, we've got a, a smaller chunk because we, we're leading up to Christmas. We're looking at the Christmas narrative story um, until Christmas, as you can well imagine. Um, so we're going to be there. Uh, so you do grab your Bible if you do not have that. Why don't you pop your hand up? If you don't have a Bible, you don't own a Bible, pop your hand up. Someone will bring it to you, and you can keep that. You can, we, we believe in the Word of God, and we want you, to, want you to have that. So if you don't have a Bible, pop your hand up, and someone will bring that to you. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the film The Matrix. Has anyone ever seen The Matrix? If you haven't, it's a great film. It's a very good film. I'm probably about to put you off with what I'm about to say. Um, so the 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 concept of the Matrix is that the Matrix is a computer-generated dream world um, that keeps humans under control. And so you're instantly you're like, no, that sounds really dull. I'm not into that at all. Sci-fi. No, thank you. Right. But but that's the the concept of the Matrix. And early in the film. Um, Morpheus, who is one of the main characters, he says that one man, Neo, um, was, was born into the Matrix with the power to change anything in it. That's what he has, is going to do. And so the rest of the film is about Neo, this character, asking questions and discovering how this, this comes about. And so, this uh, there is one particularly great line. Have you not got the PowerPoint? You're struggling. Is it not that? Speaking it's not saving. Yeah. You know. another one? Is there well, we can go without one if you really want. Let's go. Let's go, Maverick. Um, right. I'm just trying to think. No, there's no bits. You're all right. Um, we'll go without that one. That's absolutely fine. Um, so there is a there's a great line in the Matrix. And uh, it, it's, it's the two pills moment. I don't know if you recall this in the film, where, where Morpheus is sat there and you see his glasses. Have you ever noticed that Morpheus' glasses don't actually have straps? Just so clever, just sit on his nose. Um, and, and so his glasses, he's got the blue pill and he's got the red pill. And he says this to Neo, this is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. Or you can take the red pill, and you can stay in Wonderland and see how far, how deep the rabbit hole goes. It's a very good, funky line. And so last week, um, Joe took us through the genealogy of Jesus' family tree. He took, us, he took us through that, and uh, he, that was Matthew 1 verses 1 to 17, and he explained that Jesus is who they were waiting for. Jesus is the new Israel that's going to come, and he he does that. Matthew does that by explaining the family tree, and today we will see a little bit more about how Matthew uses his gospel to take us, in the words of Morpheus, further down the rabbit hole further down to see who Jesus is by looking more at how. He looks at how Christ came into the world. And so today, we are in... Um, Matthew verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, and, and Matthew, he is explaining how Jesus came into the world. And, and if you were a second century Jew reading this passage, um, uh, after reading the genealogy, Matthew, he would be expecting some questions to crop up. He would be expecting some questions for you to start asking. And so it might be, what makes this Jesus guy so special? How did this all happen? Why does this child have such a dodgy family line? Like, that's, that's not okay to have such a dodgy family line. Who are his parents? Why them? There are loads of questions. And, and all these questions flow from these two particular questions, which we are going to focus on this morning. Question number one. Who is Jesus? I, I, I've, it would be like, I've heard, I've, I've read this family tree bit, but, but who is he? Who is this Jesus? Who is Jesus? And question number two is, why did he come? Who is Jesus and why did he come? And you, and you might be a Christian this morning and you might think, I know the answer. I know, that, I know the answer to that. Well, my, my prayer for you is, the words of Morpheus, you go a little bit deeper down the rabbit hole. That that you go a little bit deeper. You begin to understand Christ on a deeper level. That you grasp fully how scandalous, how utterly scandalous the gospel is. That's my prayer for you this morning. And if you don't know Jesus yet, if you're not a Christian yet, I would love you to come away with more questions. That's my heart, is that you come away with more questions. That Again, you want to just go that a little bit deeper down the rabbit hole. You want to see, who is this Jesus a little bit more? I'm not going to, I'm not going to be answering that question in all its completeness. Right? We've only got a little bit of time. Um, but, but I want you to go away with some more questions, asking that question a little bit more. And so we'll look at it in two parts. We'll, we'll break the question up. Who is Jesus? We'll focus on for a bit. And then we'll, we'll focus on why did he come? So let's read. We're going to be in verse 18. And we're going to see who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? So verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Let's have some water. This is how... The birth of Jesus. Birth there is origins. So, the origins of Jesus. How did the origins of Jesus, the Messiah, come about? Jesus' mother, Mary, was pledged to be married. This is as close to married as you could possibly, possibly get at that point. Okay, so imagine like the first uh, the, the night before you get married, but, but for a, a, a year. That, that's what it's like. Okay, and so they're doing that. And so she was pledged to be married to Joseph. Be afraid, similar phrase to what we hear in in Luke that said to Mary, take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her her, is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. This, This scene... This scene in, in, in Matthew's gospel is shining a light on a particular character. So in, in Luke's gospel, the one that Eilis read earlier actually, is, is, is focusing on Mary. But in Matthew, he's like, no, I want to focus on Joseph. He's pointing the light on Joseph. All right? Why? Why? Why so much focus on Joseph this morning? Well, it's because Matthew wants us to see something. He wants to to shine a light on something. And and by focusing on, on Joseph, he is illuminating the outrageous and the scandalous nature of the gospel of the origins of who Jesus is. If you look at verse 19, get your Bible out, look at verse 19. I want you to see, I don't know if you spotted this. All right, look at how scandalous this is. This is the scandalous answer we get from Matthew about who Jesus is. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Jesus... Is the illegitimate child of a laborer. That's that's who the Messiah is. That's who he is. What a claim. What a claim that we get in in Matthew about the Messiah. Last week, Joe Leach, not Joe the carpenter, all right, Joe Leach, he he went through Christ's family line. In it we see messiness, we see sin, we see affairs, we see murder to get away with an affair, we see brotherly hatred, we see evil kings, we see prostitution, we see all of that mess. And then we jump to verse um, 18 and to 25 and Matthew is taking it even further. He's pointing at even more scandalous nature. He's saying that this child, the Messiah, this one that's been promised from the beginning, he the the Prophetic fulfillment of Isaiah 7, the Messiah, the king, the prophet, the new Israel. He is the illegitimate child of an 18 to 20, 20 year old laborer. That, that's, that's who this God man is. It's, it's scandalous. My point is, we see through Matthew's focus on Joseph, we see Jesus' family line. We see his parents' so that we see Jesus and he is he is and his coming kingdom is not what we expect Jesus who is Jesus he is not what you expect him to be he isn't what is expected. God could easily have chosen some impressive person to, to look after his son. He could have given him a really incredible, on our, on our materialistic level, he could have given a really incredible dad to, his God, uh, to God's son. He could have done a wealthy nobleman. He could have chosen someone who was the spiritual elite. He could have chosen someone who was a prominent Pharisee. Instead, he picks a manual laborer who can't even afford a hotel room for his wife who's about to give birth. That, that, that's who he chooses. God's choice of Joseph, it is surprising, it is bewildering, but it shows who Jesus is and what God values in his kingdom. It shows us what God values. God chose Joseph to be the Messiah's dad because he saw in Joseph certain characteristics that, that he is wanting to, to, he wants his people to demonstrate, that he longs for in, in all people. Number one, humility. We see in verse 19, we see how humble and how compassionate that, that Joseph is. Imagine being Joseph, discovering that Mary is, is, is pregnant. And, and what does he do? J- just imagine that, actually. Just, just imagine that for a moment. So Joseph, uh, so Mary goes to, to be with uh, Elizabeth for three months. She comes back and she's four months pregnant. If that were me, I'd be like, that's a bit dodgy. I'm not entirely sure what you're saying is truthful here. That is, a, like, you, you would question it, and, and and he would have every right to say, "See ya, I'm I'm off." But but what does he? But what does he do? It shows such kindness, sh- such kindness that to to Mary, he doesn't he doesn't think what's best for him, but he's thinking, "I I want to divorce her quietly, so that so she's not." Ridiculed. What, what kindness and humility to put someone above himself. He thinks about leaving her in, in the nicest way he possibly could. We also see his faithfulness. Yes, yeah, so we see humility, but we also see faithfulness. Joseph was also a great man of faith. Look at, if we jump, look, jump to 20, verse 24, what does he do? So the angel has spoken to him. What does he do? He believed. He, he believed. It's, you know what? There is not a, a single reason why Joseph should believe. There, there isn't. There, why, why should he believe what's, what's being said? Other than that he says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust in God here. I'm going to put my faith in God and God alone. So he's humble. He's, he's faith-filled. Right, he was, he, right, get this. He was so faithful right, in, in, in doing this that he doesn't have sex on his wedding night. He doesn't go, he doesn't have sex on his wedding night, and he waits until the baby is born. That's just, like, that is a man of faith. So he's, he's humble, he's faithful, and number three, he's obedient. Again, in verse 20, saw he saw an angel. He sees an angel four times in, in the first two chapters of Matthew, and each time his response is, yeah, I'm going to obey that. I'm going to follow that. I'm going to, I'm going to obey without delay. That's, that's his response. That's the type of kingdom people that God is searching for. Yeah, he is, He's looking for humble, faithful, and obedient people. A question for you to ponder. Do you have the same humble, faith-filled, obedient heart as Joseph? Do we? I, I'm, I'm not sure I do. I'm, I'm not sure I do. I'm pretty sure that, that we all don't either. That, that's the challenge. Who, who, is, who is Jesus? Who is he? Well, Joseph is the example of who this coming king, Jesus, is going to be. And the kingdom that he is, he's going to build. Jesus is a king who's building a kingdom that's not based on money or power or influence. No, he's basing it on humility. He's basing it on faithfulness. He's basing it on obedience. He's basing it on all of those people. So we, we've touched on Joseph, but, uh, but uh, it would be wrong of us not to, when we read this passage, it would be wrong to ignore some of the areas that we might struggle with. Um, so such as those supernatural moments. They're, they're slightly odd. An angel appears. There's, there's prophetic dreams. There's a virgin conception. It's all very supernatural, slightly odd isn't it? And, and, um, the, but, the, but the truth is, from Matthew, we can learn about how we should share the gospel, how we should, how we should deal with the miracles, how we should deal with the difficult scriptures where, where miracles are involved. I don't know if you've ever seen the film Mission Impossible, another film reference today on it. Um, Mission Impossible 1, the first one, there's, this, there's a moment in it, where they're, they're on a train, I think it, no, a train or a plane. His group and they're planning on. A, Tom Cruise is telling his crew how they're going to steal a file from a CIA computer, and he's telling them, and they're like this. what, what? And Luther, one of his sidekicks, is like, it's not going to work. Someone's going to do this. It's not going to work because of this, this, this. And, he, and Tom Cruise turns to him and he says, Luther, relax. It's way worse than you think. It's way worse than you think, and so 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 notice Matthew. He is completely matter of fact. He's like, "Yep, virgin conception." He's 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 very much matter of fact about dreams, about angels. It's like he's saying, "Relax. It's much worse than you think." All right, you you might be someone here. You you don't know Jesus, uh, or maybe you do, and you're like. Johnny, you seem fairly, fairly, not very, but fairly well-educated. You, you, you seem fairly normal. You, I love how that got better. All right. Please, please don't tell me you believe in angels. Please don't tell me that, that you believe that there are beings that are angels. That, that, that just seems totally weird. I can't, I can't get on board with that. Well, my response is relax. It's way worse than you think. It is, it's way worse than you think. I don't, I don't believe in angels. I believe in Christmas. All right? I, I believe that not only... G, that I, don't, I don't only believe in the virgin conception. Okay. I, I believe that that baby is the creator of the whole cosmos... I believe that the creator of the whole cosmos came as a baby and not only that, that they, that they dirtied their nappies, that they screamed, that they cried, that they grew up, that they went through puberty, that God himself went through puberty, that God died and he came back to life. Relax, it is way worse than angels. It's way worse than you, you think. Virgin conceptions, miracles, angels, they they pale into insignificance when we see who Jesus is. When we see who has come, the outrageous claim of a God-man, Jesus, being who he says he is later in Matthew, is, is outrageous. And we can apply this, relax, it's worse than you think, we can apply this to other areas of our lives. You, you, people become Christians and they discover that, that God says that sex is only for marriage. And they're like, what? what the, sex is just for marriage? You know, it's, it's way worse than you think. Relax, it's way worse than you think. Or, or people become Christians and they're like, oh, God touches my heart, but he also touches my pockets. I've got, what, You want me to give my money away? No, it's, it's way worse than you think. He wants your whole life. God wants, your, God wants your whole life. He doesn't want just your sex life. He doesn't want just, just your money. No, he wants your whole life. God wants your whole heart. It's far worse than you think. Following Jesus will cost you everything. That's the deal. That's what I, said. I think I said it a couple of weeks ago. It's like having children. It costs me nothing. I, I get the kingdom of God. I can enjoy it forever and ever. But It costs me nothing to get it. But it costs me everything. I've got to give away everything I am for him. It costs us everything to follow Jesus. Coming back to the question who is Jesus? Well, we see in verse 19 to 22, this is who Jesus is. He is the God man. He is, he is fully God and fully man. And I cannot get my head around that in any way, shape, or form. I can try, I can study, we could can, can do all we like, but no, no, he is God, but he is fully man. And and there is nothing like him, and there will never be anything like him ever again. Outrageously and unbelievably and incredibly, he is God who was human, and and he, he knew deep pain. He knew deep joy. He knew deep sorrow. He knew deep celebration, just like you and me. Jesus is unexpected. He's not what you expected him to be. Jesus is the unexpected king. He is humble. He is obedient. He is faithful. That is who Jesus is. But why did he come? Let's go back. Let's open it up at verse 22. We're going to read verse 22 to the end of chapter, chapter 1. All this took place, the genealogy, the, the angel visit, all that took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. So he's focusing here. He's bringing in Isaiah 7. So Isaiah 7 is what's happening, what's being referred to here in verse 23. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded. We see his obedience there, don't we? He commanded him, and he took Mary home to be his wife. They got married, happy ending. But he did not consummate their marriage until... She gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Why did Jesus come? We see it in the two names that are mentioned in verse 20, 22 to 25. <clears throat> name number one, God with us. Emmanuel. In verse 23, it says "Emmanuel." You will name him Emmanuel. Sometimes we hear names in the Bible... We hear names like Emmanuel and, and we separate their meaning from our lives. We think, oh, that, that's that's who God is. That's nice. It's nice for him to be that. But what we often do is we make names like Emmanuel, we make it abstract, we take it out of the context of our, of our lives. But Matthew knows what he's doing here. Okay, so this is the start of Matthew's gospel. Do you want to hear the last line of Matthew's gospel? Is, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. So he starts by telling us, I am with you. And he ends by telling them, I am with you. Right? Matthew begins and starts by acknowledging Christ came so that we could fully experience God with us. We could fully know, fully enjoy the fact that God himself is with us through his Holy Spirit. A lot of people count themselves out. All right, some of you, is that you today? Do you, do you count yourself out from church? Do you count yourself out of God's plan? Do you count yourself out that God wants to know you? Is that you? Well, I believe this morning that some of you may, may find that there is life-changing power for you by knowing God's name, Emmanuel. It sort of links to what Alicia was saying earlier, that you, you, you've just run out of hope. And you need to know Emmanuel. You need to know God with us. Some of us in this room, we have done terrible, terrible stuff. Some of it has happened to us. Some of us have been neglected by parents or by partners. You could be thinking, if, if the people in this room knew what I'd experienced or, or what I've done, they, they wouldn't want me in this room. They, they wouldn't want to sit next to me. They, they wouldn't want to be in my grace group. They wouldn't want to go for a coffee with me. They, they wouldn't want to be near me. What's, what's Matthew saying? What's, what's, Ma, what's Matthew saying to you? He's saying, I'm, I'm Emmanuel. I'm, I'm God. He has seen all that, and he says, no, I'm Emmanuel. Emmanuel. I'm 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 with you. I I am always with you. God knows what has happened and he says I am with you. So if Matthew is right, if if Christ, if, if the Messiah, if Jesus is Emmanuel, that means God is with you. It means that God, if you are a Christian, God is with you when you come to church on a Sunday morning. Oh, that's going to cause me to worship, isn't it? Right? God is with you, but but more than that. Right? If if Matthew is right then God is with you at the supermarket. God is God is with you as you stress over deadlines for work. God is with you when you when you're having shouting matches with your spouse. God is with you when you think oh no he doesn't exist. God is with you when you are singing to yourself. God is with you when you dance like nobody is watching. God is with you when you are crying in pain and hurt. God is with you when you are laughing with joy. God is with you when you are putting your children to bed. God is with you when you are shouting your head off at your children. God is with you. Do you, do you need to know this morning that God is Emmanuel? That Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is Emmanuel with us. And we can sometimes think Emmanuel is a bit like Santa. He, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good, for goodness sake. And, and so we place Emmanuel like Santa. We say, Emmanuel is Santa. He's watching me and he's checking, are you doing what you should be doing that's not that's not Emmanuel. That's Santa. All right? That's what Santa does. Santa is nowhere like who God is. All right? Do you need to realize that Christ's name, Christ's nature, who is who is Jesus? He says, "I am near you. I am for you. I love you. I am with you. I am Emmanuel." That's what he says to you. Why did Jesus come? He came so that you could know God personally. That you could know him deeper. That you could know he is not Santa. Way more. The other name that we are given also tells us who Jesus is. The other name we see in verse 21 and in verse 25. He, is, he was named Emmanuel, but he was also named Jesus. Very common name at the time, all goes all the way back to, to Joshua. It would be, it's, it's the, the etymology, the, the word, the, the origin of the word. And, and then we see the meaning of his name. We see it in verse 21. Turn to, look at verse 21. It says, Give him the name Jesus. Why are we giving him the name Jesus? Because he will save people from their sins. And then we see Joseph's obedience in verse 25. He gave him the name Jesus. Why did Jesus come? He came to be Emmanuel. He came to be God with us, but he also came to save us. He came to save us. We need both. We can't just have Emmanuel. Oh, this is lovely and floaty, but then not deal with my sin, not deal with the mess that I make as I go around my life. But also I can't just think, oh, oh, God saves me. Oh, that's good. I'm so glad he's saving me and not realize that I can have an intimate relationship with him. We need Emmanuel, him comforting, him interacting with us daily. But we need God to save us from ourselves. I need to know that I can dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. But also I need to know that, that he creates in me a new heart. I need to know both of those. I need to know that that Jesus is Emmanuel and that he is God who saves. I need to know God's mercy daily as I venture through life. That's what carries me, is knowing the mercies of God. But I, I, I need his grace. I need his grace daily to clean up the mess that follows behind me, even when I'm unaware of it. I'm unaware of my sin. As I come into land, who is Jesus? Why did he come? Earlier I mentioned Joseph was an example. I said that Joseph was humble, that he was faithful, that he was obedient. But I, I, I didn't quite go hard on, on the point that it is not our obedience. It's not through our humility. It's not through our faithfulness that saves us. It is, it's Christ's. It's Christ's humility, it's Christ's faithfulness, it's Christ's obedience. Who is Jesus and why did he come? Jesus is the true, humble king. He he went from God's presence. He went from heaven to crying in a manger, a trough. He's God who gets into humanity. He fills the mess of humanity and he empathizes with every single person. God came to be faithful. came to be faithful all the way to the cross. Those nails that went into, to, when Jesus grows up, goes to the cross, nail in, in each of his hands and his feet. That, that's our sin being pinned to the tree. So that it is dealt with once and for all. It's through Christ's obedience that I can know Emmanuel, that the Holy Spirit can work in me. Jesus is saving work, it brings completion. So the the band had come up, and uh, I don't know about you. At the start when I mentioned who is Jesus and why did he come? We we're like, Yeah, yeah, I know the answer to that. I, I for Christians I, I feel we can easily take it for granted. We can easily downplay who Jesus is and why he came. That's, that's not Matthew's message. Matthew's message isn't, isn't that. I want to I lead us in a response. i going to get it up on the screen, but I, I, I'll read it instead. But I want it to, to, to just stir your heart this morning. Um, I want to I wanna lead us in a prayer Using um, the Anglican prayer of confession, slightly modernised. Um, it's not what we normally do, uh, but I, I just feel in my in my spirit that, that 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 I'm in faith that the Holy Spirit will be at work in people as we pray. If you are if you are somebody who who doesn't yet know Jesus, this is your opportunity. This this is your chance to say, God, I'm sorry. I want to I want to follow you. And so as I, as I lead us in this I'm gonna pray it. I would love you to join me in your heart as I pray you can close your eyes and and just let the words that, that, that are written here let them stir you. Let them let them excite you and and this is a this is a moment. This is a moment where you can remind yourself who Christ is and why he came. So it's to remind yourself who Christ is. It's to pray. It's for you to pray for yourself and, and to confess that, that you are somebody who always need, is in need of God, and at the same time it's your opportunity to receive forgiveness. It, it's it, it 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 through this forgiveness through Christ's saving work, and then we're gonna then we're gonna sing, and and you can be and you can come going no I, I'm I've dealt with it. Jesus has dealt with it on the cross. So let's stand and uh, just let this stir you. So why don't you, just to help you focus, why don't you close your eyes? Why don't you, if you want to, put your hands out. But, but just focus in on God in this moment. Let God just stir you. Let God excite you. Let his grace pour upon you let let Emmanuel remind you he is with you so as I pray just let this stir you close your eyes most merciful God we confess that we have sinned against you and we have sinned against you in thought sinned against you in word and in deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone we confess with our hearts that we have not loved you with our whole hearts we have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's worship. Let's, let's sing. Let's thank God for who He is and why He came.